102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you react to phone numbers. You will need them. 512-834-1027. It's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. You want to post comments? You should. If you don't today, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. You want to post comments on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week? Don't suck. Make the show better if you can. I'm going to do just fine, but can you make it better? Let's see. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Get to the point. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We drop a podcast every afternoon. You get the Jeff Ward Show podcast wherever you download your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube show as well. We drop that every afternoon. Okay. Uh, So we're going to pace ourselves. And I'll do it. You can participate as well, of course. My take on the Day of American Pop Culture. This is like Disneyland for American adults sitting around the TV drinking probably far too much. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go at the not-so-obvious. Almost everything that was not so obvious. The obvious is fairly easy, so I'm going to go after the not-so-obvious, including, and it may make your face hurt, and I really don't care, including what I think is the biggest thing that didn't happen that's not so obvious, that should be so obvious during the Super Bowl. I'll also do the a quick, I'll make it fast, even though I could drag it out for, for a couple hours probably. I'll do the Jeff Ward ad meter. I think I can explain some. Some that was good, not much. Some that was bad, a lot. A lot that was very, very vanilla and it was done on purpose, which is unfortunate, but I've got the Jeff Ward ad meter. And somewhere along the way, I can splash in some nerdy football talk. So, all right. I'm not going to rehash the obvious. The obvious from the Chiefs Super Bowl win. Uh, That's done, can be done, will be done over and over and over again. I'll point out the significant, the not so obvious, the significant things that are maybe not so obvious that I think are more interesting. There were significant things that happened in the game, around the game, in the broadcast about the game, and then the most significant thing that didn't happen in the game at all, but probably should have. The obvious we all get. The Kansas City Chiefs are a dynasty. Three and five years settles that. First repeat champions since 2004 and five, blah, 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 blah. It's not just Patrick Mahomes. I said it before the Super Bowl, said it in November, said it in probably January. They won the Super Bowl just like they won the entire playoff run because they're really, really good defensive team. They make few mistakes, although in the first half they made a few. They're a really, really good defensive team that people don't appreciate because people just don't appreciate defense. They have the second-best quarterback of all time and maybe the second-best coach of all time. They didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver. They didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher. Travis Kelsey's near the end of his career, and they were missing an all-pro guard who, by the way, was the only all-pro they had on offense. They won because they gave up 22 points. 
They gave up, on average, during the year, 21 points. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. If you have a pretty good quarterback and you give up only 21 points a game, you do well. If you have the second-best quarterback to ever play the game and you only give up 21 points a game, you'll end up being Super Bowl champions. They scored 25 last night. This has been repeated all year long. It's the real story. They scored 25 last night. They scored 27 against Buffalo in the playoffs. They scored 26 against Miami in the playoffs. They gave up 24 to the Bills and 7 to the Dolphins and 22 last night. Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT in waiting. How's that? I don't know if he'll ever be the GOAT, the best of all time, but he's the one in waiting. He just tied Joe Montana for Super Bowl MVPs. He's only 28. Again, this is the obvious part. I'm about to get to the not-so-obvious. Tom Brady has five. I think I think we could argue everyone is doing it. It'll go on for a while. I think you can probably put him ahead of Joe Montana at this point. I think he's done Montana-like stuff over and over again. He passed for 333 last night. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But he rushed for 66. And it's not just that. It's when he rushed for 66. Here's why I think he's second to Brady now. I don't even think this is that much of an argument, but fine. The Chiefs were down 19-16 with a minute 53 left, and he takes them 64 yards on 11 plays, and there's not anyone with a pulse that didn't think it was going to happen, probably including the San Francisco 49ers. They tied it to take it to overtime. The only question when the ball is back in his hands, like Brady, was are they just going to win it outright? It wasn't a question of can he get down there and kick a field goal. In overtime, he takes him 75 yards on 11 plays. He converts on a fourth down. He rushes for 27 yards on that drive. They get a walk-off score, three seconds left. They win 25-22. Here are the two things, the maybe not so obvious about Patrick Mahomes. It's everything you need to know about this guy's career. In three Super Bowl wins, each time the Chiefs have been behind by double digits. They were down 20 to 10 to the 49ers, I guess, four years ago. It's 24 14 last year. And at one point, it was 10 0 last night against San Francisco. That. This is even more important. This tells you everything. In their three Super Bowl wins, while Mahomes has been the quarterback, they have nine touchdowns and two field goals after the third quarter. Think about that. They flip a switch. He flips a switch. In the three championships they've won, start of the fourth quarter, they have nine touchdowns and two field goals. That's everything. He closes people, right? Everybody knows it's just like with Brady. If the ball is in his hands and it's near the end, they'll win. The significant things that I don't think will be talked about enough, I find more interesting than just sort of, you know, arguing back and forth about the greatness of Mahomes. That's that's not tough to do. The very overtime rule that you can't say the Chiefs created it, but it was partly because of the no, it was because of the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. The very rule created around the Chiefs is the very overtime ruled that allowed them to win last night. Pre-2022, 
They lose last night 22-19. The Chiefs beat the Bills two years ago in what we knew was significant at the time. We knew the fallout would be significant at the time. We had no idea two years later it would decide a Super Bowl with that team. But that is exactly what happened. There is so much contained into the overtime, good and bad. The bad's coming. So the Chiefs beat the Bills two years ago. But out of that is the rule change. They scored at the time. Remember, they scored first in overtime. The game ended. Everyone freaked out for pretty good reason. This is the genius of the NFL. They'll just pivot and make up a new rule to make the game better. And they did it. So everyone freaked out and said, that's not right. The coin toss in a game like this of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes going back and forth in one of the greatest offensive games of all time. Different Chiefs team then. They won that way then. They win a different way now. But everyone freaks out and says, that's not right. The coin toss decided this game. Josh Allen, who was just as good of Mahomes that night, he needs the ball too. So rule was changed. Last night, each team would get a possession. The only way the game would have ended on one possession in overtime was in the case of a safety. The 49ers kicked a field goal on their possession. If both teams were tied after one possession, then the game goes to sudden death. The first team that scores wins. That's significant because at one point last night, Kyle Shanahan, who's about to get trashed by me, made a point that I don't think people quite understood. He was mumbling. He was embarrassed. I think he is shell-shocked. He's now labeled. Said something about, well, the third possession. What he was referring to, I assume, is, hey, the third possession is sudden death. We're going to get there. Then there's the interesting part. Had Kansas City faced fourth and goal, Okay, in overtime, would they have kicked a field goal or were they gone for the win? Or gone for the seven in overtime? They scored on a third and three play to win. You know, would another coach done something differently? Maybe. I bet so. Think about that. I mean, the trend of the NFL this year would be a team might have just gone for it. The head coach of the Detroit Lions would have. It didn't matter. They go, they convert on third down. Okay, Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, is significant and not for very good reasons. He's now lost in every Super Bowl. He was calling plays when Atlanta was ahead of New England 28-3, and the Falcons got beat. It was a train wreck of offensive plane calling. He's now had double-digit leads twice against the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowls, and he's lost them both. The criticism that... It's probably started already, but it'll get ramped up. The criticism that will get ramped up today, one is legitimate. One, one form of criticism I think is legitimate. The other I think is unfair. I think it's wrong. It's going to go like this. First, San Francisco wins the coin flip in overtime. They elected to receive. No, that's not a, that's not a wise thing to do. That's the wrong thing to do. You know how we know it's the wrong thing to do? Because the Chiefs had already said, wow, we talk about that all the time. Here's why it's the wrong thing to do. The smart thing to do is to defend. Okay, they're 
indoors so there's no wind, but you just you defend because you want the ball second because you know what you need to do scoring-wise in overtime to win. That changes your outlook entirely. It changes your play calling. It changes your perspective. It changes everything. There's no reason not to take that position. I don't agree with taking the ball first in the current overtime setup. It has made a lot of people now question for good reason because many of the 49ers players have now come forward saying they didn't know the overtime rules. I kind of believe them. And it does make you wonder if the coach knew. It's a mistake. I mean, is it is it the reason they lost? No, but it's a mistake. It's not. It's a it's a it's a peek inside. It's it's pulling the curtain back, and it's like, hey, bud, you really don't know what you're doing. So, Patrick Mahomes and many other Chiefs players, of course, were asked about. You know what you do in that situation now that overtime rules have changed. I mean, this is a relatively new thing that doesn't come up that much. And they all said, well, we talk about this all the time. Mahomes even said, well, gosh, I want to know what the other team is doing. He's also getting hammered, and I don't agree with this one. He's getting hammered, Kyle Shannon's getting hammered for the field goal in overtime when you know Patrick Mahomes is on the other sideline. True. I think we all know, he knows, players know, anyone, someone picking up the trash knows. If Mahomes, when he gets the ball back, it's going to be like Brady, it's going to be like Montana, they're going to score. True. But I don't think the wrong thing to do by the 49ers in overtime was kick a field goal. I don't. I don't think you go for it. I don't think you try to convert fourth down. I think you take the points when you can get the points and deal with it after that. Now, his decision at the coin toss was incorrect. I don't think the decision to take three points was incorrect. To take a three-point lead in overtime, knowing that Patrick Mahomes now knows what he has to do. And he did it. They cruised down the field perfectly. Andy Reid even said the drive in overtime was perfection. The play call was perfection. But I still think Shanahan has to take three points there. I don't agree with everyone screaming. You know, Dan Campbell, the Lions did that stuff and they lost. So you take points when you can get points. <clears throat> it's that simple. Uh, if you don't convert, you know, you've given Patrick. So if you go for it on fourth down and you don't convert, you've just given Patrick Mahomes the game. You've given him the game. You've given him a short field and he needs only three points and that's crazy. Now, Kyle Shanahan now has a label. And it's going to be miserable and it is what it is. And uh, <clears throat> it's... He has had double-digit leads in three Super Bowls, and he's lost all three. He's had that game last night, had sketchy decisions made on his part. His uh, team didn't play badly in the first half, uh, had a bad break on a fumble in the first half. A ball just hit a guy who was blocking. That stuff happens. That's an unforced error. But, you know, when people look back, and for good reason, they will. You you shouldn't have that many all-pro players and lose. You shouldn't make stupid decisions and end up losing. He did. He's going to get labeled. The other significant thing that was weird, and I uh, sent out a tweet about this, was the betting. The betting. 
not not the prop bets and stuff like that. It was just the overall betting about the game was weird from day one, and then it was really weird the day before the game and the day of the game. So the line had San Francisco favored from the very beginning, which is weird. They hadn't played well enough, and nobody in their right mind bets against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You just don't. But from the very beginning, the 49ers were favored. They end up at kickoff time, I believe it was a one and a half to two point spread still. Most of the bets, something like 65 to 70% of the bets came in for the Chiefs. But the big money bets, of which there were several one hundred to $200,000 bets that came in the morning of the game, all the giant bets went to San Francisco. Now, usually whales and big money people that come in late know what they're doing. They got it all wrong. Almost all, it was reported on, uh, on game day, what was reported was that almost all the big bets went to San Francisco. That's just weird. I, I don't know. I, that's surprising. It never balanced out. The line just didn't change a heck of a lot. Then, and this will take some explaining and I'll do it. The most significant thing about the game was the thing that didn't happen. And I can't believe, I guess lost in pop culture, I can't believe it's not being talked about more. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Subscribe to the Jeff Ford Show podcast or the aliens are going to come and get you. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. Shut up, Smoker Voice. You think that kid wasn't happy last night? Are you kidding me? Did you see the kiss at the end of the game? I believe my daughter cried. I think she was crying. (laughs) The Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift kiss at the end of the game. By the way, what was she wearing? I don't want to be... Grumpy old dad here, but what was that? Was it uh, like a bustier or something? What was going on there? Am I being frumpy? Okay. The most significant thing is what didn't happen. You can read, I suggest, I don't know how you don't read everything into this. And you can disagree all you want, Um But not doing this interview during the Super Bowl, I think, is incredibly significant. I can't believe it's not talked about. I guess people just don't have that much knowledge. Or maybe people really just want to turn their head away from the presidential race and pretend that it's not happening. And any normal human being would understand why you feel that way. But Team Biden may have made the right call, which makes this worse. So if you want to do that thing that people do with me often and say, go right, by the way, go right ahead. I'm I'm not, you know, my job is to be intellectually honest. The job is to make people think, not to make you happy or comfortable or state the obvious. So deal with it. But I get this. I don't want to hear your politics. I want your take on sports, which usually is code for, I don't agree with what you're saying. That's it. Honestly, this is both. It's a really big deal. I think, for all the wrong reasons. Um, I think Joe Biden has to get out of the presidential race. And I think that's probably stating the obvious, but I'm fairly certain of it now. 
I don't know why interviewing presidents during the Super Bowl, why it started. I don't blame anyone for saying, well, I don't really want to hear from fill-in-the-blank president today. At the same time, the Super Bowl broadcast is the only time, and I think you really need to appreciate this, it's the only time we're all in the same place at the same time collectively. It is a day of American culture, both good and bad. But there is no other day, not even close. There isn't a moment in which we're all in one place together. You never have a chance to speak to the entire country like that. Nothing else exists. Nothing is even close. Presidents have been interviewed at halftime during the Super Bowl. From what I can tell... Because I, as soon as I found out about this, I started doing that Ward thing and I started reading. Presidents have been interviewed during the Super Bowl halftime dating back to 2004. Jim Nance interviewed George W. Bush. It might have been, I'm trying to put the numbers together, that might have been the, it might have been about the time that George W. Bush's approval ratings went into a full-on free fall for good reason. For good reason. I mean, it was a train wreck. I mean, the final years of the Bush administration were plagued by multiple things, bad policy, bad circumstances, such bad policy and bad circumstances, unlike any presidency outside of Jimmy Carter. I, I disagree. I want, I don't think I'm off on that all. Um, so the, so it started off as fluff. It took a turn, obviously, when I believe it was, uh, what's his name that was on, got replaced by Tucker Carlson on Fox News, Bill O'Reilly grilling Barack Obama. It took a political turn about that time, which I'm not against, by the way. I, I think time in office should always be uncomfortable. But it went from kind of fluffy interviews with Bush and others to it taking a turn for politics. Either way, it's been a thing. I think Trump at one point... Probably for good reason. He's a nut job, my opinion. Um, turned him down. I think it was NBC because it played well. Me, bad media, mean media. I'll turn them down. But otherwise, presidents have been doing it. I'm just I'm just setting this up so you can fully appreciate what a big deal this is. So here you have Joe Biden in an election year turning it down. Turned it down. Well, you don't know that, Jeff. Well, yes, I do. Start reading. They gave a reason why they turned it down. And it's not good. Sorry. There's no way to get around it. This is so significant. Um, I should say Joe Biden's handlers turned it down. In an election year, think about this. In an election year, turning down the chance to sell yourself, to be coherent, to be practical, to be funny, to be whatever you want to be. In an election year, to have that chance to talk to 110 million people, and you turned it down? His handlers turned the chance, turned down the chance to prove that he is not impaired. He's not impaired. They turned down the chance, turned it down, and gave a reason. They, gave, they turned down a chance to prove that he's not impaired and drooling on himself, what could have been the chance of the election to talk to 110 million people. His handlers turned down the chance to separate himself 
from a slimy, easily dislikable, narcissistic, authoritarian like Donald Trump. All my opinions, and I don't care if you like it or not. They turned down the chance. And my, my opinion is they turned down the chance to slam the door on the election. Just slam the door. You win. One good performance, one solid, coherent performance in the election is over, and they turned it down. A reasonable performance in front of 110 million people, and the election is over. My opinion. Disagree. I mean, really slammed the door on Donald Trump, who, yeah, I think he's an authoritarian, slimy, and all that stuff. But the door would have been slammed on Trump you know, whether Trump's convicted of crimes or not, I think it just would have been the end of it. It was every chance you would ever want. It was every chance to prove, oh, no, no, he's okay. And they chose not to do it. It's not like he didn't have prep time. The election would have been over and they didn't do it. Instead, instead, sent out some, was it, on, was it in tweet or TikTok or whatever, some ma- micromanaged statement trying to goof off. Uh-uh. It's a really bad look. It's a really bad look. There's a ton you should read into it, in my opinion. Um, his handlers decided not to do it. And what does that tell you? It's 110 million people. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to look like a decent thinking human being opposite of Donald Trump. It's really not. And they turned it down. His handlers turned down the greatest campaign ad opportunity. Free campaign ad, I could add on top of that. The greatest campaign ad opportunity anyone in or running for office could ever have, and they passed on it. I mean, they said, so you want to know the answer, what the response was? They said it's not a day, it's not the t- something like this. It's not the time that the people want to hear from the president. It's not a day about politics. That kind of answer, which is BS. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke. Nice try. But since when did someone in politics wanting to win an election turn down free airtime? It's free airtime to, to the entire country. It crosses every demographic. There's never another time. You couldn't, you couldn't spend $50 million and reach an audience like what he could have had, and they turned it down. His handlers hit him in the most important two to three minutes of the presidential race. I don't know how anyone else is not noticing this. I don't know how anyone else is not talking about this. I guess you just don't want to. But it is, that's two to three minutes to win the election. That's it. Maybe even two minutes. It's probably not even that tough. I bet you what we're going to do with Iran never comes up. It is easy to put on a smiling face and look sharp and look coherent. And you've got 110 million people say, you know what? He's better than that authoritarian. And you win. The fact that they said, oh, uh, we'll take a pass. From what I remember now, the only other time someone took a pass on this opportunity was Trump doing it. And he did it because it's exactly what his people wanted to hear. I don't need them. F them. Here was Biden's chance. And his team has to know it. 
You don't have to be an expert in politics to realize this. You have a good couple of minutes and you've won the election. Game over, man. The fact that they decided to say this is not a day for politics. We're going to sit this one out, but we're going to send out some goofy TikTok of him giggling. That should tell you everything. And that's not a good thing. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Show. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. All right, here we go. The Jeff Ward ad meter. Um, there's a, you know, a lot of people have said the same thing. So I can explain. I'm trying to try not to be too academic here and too nerdy. It may be impossible for me. You know, people just love the entertainment value of the advertising, and it's and it's part of it. Um, it. It is. It is. It's a day of, strategically, it's a day of recall. You're going to say, well, Jeff, what is that really about? So most of you in most businesses, you don't have the luxury of being in the recall business. You have to educate someone about your product. You have to educate them about the price. You have to differentiate yourself in some capacity. You can't just be, oh, there it is on the shelf. But a lot of these giant brands, that's what they are. They're in the recall business. They're not just about price. They're not about taste necessarily. They're in the recall business. Not all, but, but a lot of them. So just understand why it is these giant brands would even be there in the first place to spend that kind of money. It's just continuing their recall. You know, Coke, you would say, well, why would Coke ever advertise? Or why, why, would, why would Bud Light ever advertise? They're in the recall business. So... The goals of the ads, obviously, and there's a good story in the Wall Street Journal about this, was to be as vanilla as possible. And they pulled it off. They did. Um, I'm not a big fan of not taking risks, but I'm also a fan of strategy only. I don't care about the rest. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lesson partly taken from Bud Light over the past year, but in general, it's just kind of a feeling of Madison Avenue that, hey, it's best to be vanilla. It's best to just um, stay in the middle of the road. The goal is not to offend people. And if you want to joke around and be light, that's fine. So it's plainly obvious that's where, that's where the advertisers were. Homes.com with Jeff Goldblum and Weird Aliens, from what I remember, had three commercials May have been four. Was that right? Homes.com? Is it a part? No, I think it's Homes. It was at one time apartments. I think it's Homes.com. That alien thing? Meh. Meh. I'm just, you know. Okay. But I think they had three ads alone. And the ad time by itself would cost them close to $6 million just in ad time, not even talking about the production budget of aliens and stuff like that, or what you pay Jeff Goldblum. Um, they, were la- they were weird, I thought, and lacking. Are you ready for a, for a term created by the great Leo Burnett from Chicago back in the 1950s, I believe? They lacked a unique selling proposition, students. But we move on. A winner and then a bizarre loser. You can have whatever choices you have. I don't think they're that memorable, but I feel pretty comfortable with what I think is a winner, an absolute winner in every way, creatively, strategically, 
Um, it just, I thought it was a home run. And then there's a complete loser that's just weird. Uh, and, you know, whenever, whenever you're running an ad campaign, spending the next day saying, I'm really sorry about that, is not a great way to operate business. I'm just here to tell you, students. That's not what you want to be doing the next day. Oh, man. Sorry about that. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the loser, what I think. It was weird. It was a weirder strategy. Robert Kennedy selling himself by the family's famous name. And, you know, here's a guy... I don't want to. I don't, I'm going to argue about the strat. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll happily argue with you about the strategy. I'm going to argue about his politics. Here's a guy whose main appeal is to the anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists. That's the main appeal. I know you're going to try to spin it some other way. Don't. Okay. It's the Aaron Rodgers crowd. Now, I'm not saying that voter doesn't exist, but that's kind of the main appeal. And he runs an ad, or somebody ran it for him. He now says. All about his family's name, many of whom are not at all in his political camp. All of the living Kennedys slash Shrivers then come out publicly and criticize it, and then he's even apologized. It, it, this thing was just hard to follow and way too weird. Do you want a man for president who's seasoned through and through? A man who's old enough to know and young enough to do? Well, it's up to you. It's up to you. It's strictly up to you. American Value 2024 is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Super Bowl weekend. I, what, what? And so, yeah, now, of course, the family is going, wait, we're not over that. And then he said, I, somebody else did it. I, I don't even know what to make of that. That was just, visually, it was just as weird. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that's money well spent. Okay, but forget that. The winner, I think it's the easy winner. Uh, they rolled the dice with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I think they killed it. I do. State Farm killed it. State Farm even had Jake from State Farm make a cameo, and it worked. Every segment of this ad, in my opinion, worked. And here's what I think is strategically genius. You know, it's one thing to go be creative. It's one thing to go have a giant budget and make a funny ad. And if you got Arnold Schwarzenegger for a bunch of money, maybe it's not as much as it used to be, but it's still not cheap. And you go, wow, wasn't that fun? Wasn't that a great production? They even were strategic about it because that that tagline that's been around forever, like a good neighbor, guess what they did? This is students' unique selling proposition. It's memorable. The tagline is memorable. And guess what they did in the ad? They didn't just goof off. They kept the tagline going in the most creative way I could think of. Notice what they did throughout the entire ad. It wasn't just funny and well done. It was funny, well done, and strategic. Thank you, Agent State Farm. Like a good neighbor, 
State Farm is Thea. Cut. Hey, Arnold, I'm hearing neighbor. It's neighbor. That's what I said. Neighbor. 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 Hey, let's go again. Like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Cut. <laughs> now what? It's neighbor. Neighbor. Cut. Neighbor. Yeah, neighbor. Just like it's written on a paper. This lady is in labor. Cut. <laughs> Look at this. This is labor. Like a good neighbor. Ah! That was the sheep. And you know it. It's like you're cold. Yeah, I'm cold. Bah. Neighbor. Still no. Like a good neighbor. Cut. Burr. Bah. Burr. Bah. Burr. Bah. Neighbor. Neighbor. Burr. Bah. Burr. Bah. Get me out of this chopper. It's pronounced chopper. Don't. It is. Neighbor! A little bit more concealer. Hey, Arnold. It's got a bit of a script change. Script change? Mm-hmm. That kicks ass. It just kicks ass. I, I don't even know how. I don't know how it's not a bigger deal today. Well, I'm not the only person who thinks that's so great. I mean, there wasn't that. I mean, it was. I think the thing that makes that ad stand out even more. First of all, it's him, and he's just funny. But I thought that was so well done and so strategic. I bet somewhere the executives, uh, chief marketing officer at State Farm, said, well, "Look at this. We mentioned neighbor no less than two hundred thirty times. Way to go!" Um, I would think a lot of you would think it's great because it stands out against all the other stuff that was vanilla and bad. I had just jumped off the screen to me, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to remember the point at the point of the game, maybe in the first half. I, I you know, boring part of the game wasn't so great, but I, I thought it was. I thought it was outstanding. I thought he was the ladies in in Leba was the best. He's coming out of you know, if you haven't seen it, just Google it. He's coming out of a fire and all this stuff. Then the final, I think the final scene, I believe, is Danny DeVito. Uh, and then I don't know how they, you know, I don't know what you tell Jake from State Farm. Hey, listen, you're still going to get paid, but you only have six seconds in this ad. We're doing something else this week. I don't think you can continue this. I don't think you can sign up Arnold Schwarzenegger to pull this off all year round. But to me, that was clearly the winner of the night. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Hey, bro, listen to the Jeff Ward Show. All right, here we go on Twitter. Or X. At Stanley Laurel, too, says, I think state, the State Farm should have pushed the envelope when Jake from State Farm showed up and have Arnold say, what is up, my neighbor? <laughs> That's good. Uh, here's uh, Michael 2006-6820 at Jeff Ward Show. I wonder what Aaron Rodgers thinks about State Farm killing it without him. Poor Aaron. That and Team Pfizer won. Isn't that the truth? I mean, didn't... Isn't Patrick Mahomes a State Farm guy? Yeah. They dumped Aaron Rodgers. Or he dumped them. I don't know which one. Uh, Let's see. Um, 
at Michael20068. Again, Biden's handlers turned it down because they knew there was about a 75% chance that Joe would have said, what a great game between the San Francisco Raiders and the KC Indians. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that's what that's my point. The significance of it is turning it down. Uh, here's a moment many of you don't know, didn't watch, didn't see. Um, no, we haven't talked about the partial streakers yet. We have to. I think it's important that we talk about it because I, I think it's time to lose faith on streaking. Uh, it was kind of funny, though. I think a more entertaining segment. Let's see how many of you, parents will know this. I don't know how old your kids are, but parents will know this. So Nickelodeon does their own broadcast of the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I need to do the research and see how many people actually turn, tune into it because they put a lot into it. They are not kidding around when they want to Nickelodeon up the Super Bowl. This is the Nick Nickelodeon broadcast. I'm not sure which part of the game it is. There's a holding penalty. And guess who's going to explain it? Watching is the illegal grabbing of a player who is not in possession of the football in order to gain an advantage. Both offensive or defensive players can be called for holding. Say it with us. Players no holding. Players no holding. Swiper no swiping. You don't have kids, do you? Come on, who knows that? You got to know who that is. You have to know who that is. I tell you, it is a unbelievably creative broadcast, how they do it. They have these little bubbles pop up everywhere. It's, uh, I, I don't know if kids really watch it or not. I don't know. Okay, everyone, you sure you know who that is, don't you? What is it? What they say in the end? Play it again. That holding no holder, swiper no swipey. Holding is the illegal grabbing of a player who is not in possession of the football in order to gain an advantage. Both offensive or defensive players can be called for holding. Say it with us. Players no holding. Players no holding. You know what I want? <laughs> I want an entire game of Dora the Explorer. I think I might be more entertained by Dora the Explorer than Tony Romo. It's come to that. Yeah, that's Dora the Explorer. If you didn't know, you should know. But that's Dora the Explorer. And she's pretty good and she did it throughout the entire game. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.